Mr. Unlimited is going to be allowed to cook in the kitchen. He has too many fucking catchphrases. shop for news views and overreactions to all things nfl it's the off season so we got a bit of cleanup and we got a whole lot of free agency to preview so hey we got connor here we got ronan hello and we got sean hello. how are you getting on guys how's tricks uh, sean how are you getting on down in cork grant not too bad the weather's been a bit chaotic of late yeah not too bad we got the bathroom fixed done up so that's nice now uh, my fiance wants to get a new door which apparently costs like an arm and a leg as well. So. The, uh, to be honest, we, we, we literally got the doors in our place put in last week and the biggest pain in the arse is it's about a three or four month waiting list just to get doors. Like we ordered ours in November and we got them put in last week. <laughs> I'm kind of glad this house came pre, pre everything basically <laughs> the bathroom so we don't need to deal with all that kind of crap. Very good. Yeah, we like I said, got the doors and we've got do- our dog adoption is underway, I suppose. So we had Loki in the house with myself all day today and he was very good. Went for a couple of walks, took a bit of a snooze and only mildly barked at the septic tank cleaning contraption that our neighbours had to take out to clear out their drain. Good fun all overall. Got wrestling this weekend and I've got all of next week off. So really looking forward to that. So that'll be great. How about yourself, Fitz? Any crack? Yeah, I'm up in Cavan right now. Uh, unfortunately, there was a bereavement of the family. It's my brother's 30th uh, this week as well. So, yeah, just uh, enjoying the peace and quiet, I suppose. And it's just been a bad week in general, obviously, given some transactions that happened this week as well for the Seahawks. So, yeah, it's uh, been it's been a tough one for you, and we will get into well, that in a little well, bit. Well, Can I ask, what does the 30th look like these days? Like, I suppose nightclubs and stuff are reopened. Is that what happens on 30th these days? Well, this is the, the family 30th, so the relatively quiet. Ah, you know, right, right, right. Get the pictures for the mother to put on the wall and all that kind of stuff. Fair I'm, enough. I'm, I think my brother has other plans in terms of a more uh, excitable uh, <laughs> when he gets back to Dublin. Excellent, excellent. Fair enough. I suppose we'll fly on into it because we got a few bits of like clear up bits of news and stuff that we haven't because this is obviously our first one back since the Super Bowl. We'll kick off with the awards, who won them and who we had picked for them. So MVP... Aaron Rodgers won that. I had Kyler Murray, Ronan had Tom Brady, and Sean had Tom Brady. So none of us hit it on that. An offensive player of the year, Cooper Cup. I honestly think we all kind of knew that that one was going that direction because it's basically the best non-quarterback, right? Yeah, we don't predict offensive player of the year because it's a, not a real award. And Brady was robbed, let's be honest. And, uh, yes, retired yes, in, yes, in theory, retired. Yeah, I do like that it's literally taken, what, like a month of retirement for the stories to come out that he's keeping himself in football shape just in case. Like, I don't I don't really know if I buy that this guy's staying retired. And the, the Bucks are refusing to let go of his contract as a yeah. case he might end up with a different team, so... And that I think I think I think that's the one deciding element that might cause him to to stay retired would be if he just doesn't want to go back there and they don't relinquish it. Team for the Player of the Year, Pittsburgh uh, edge rusher T.J. Watt won this. We had two for Garrett and one for Donald on this, so we both missed on that. Yeah, he had incredibly high sack numbers, even though he missed a number of games. He broke the record, and people will say you know asterisk that was in eighteen games, but I think he missed three or four games this year. So realistically, he he broke it and then some. Yeah, he was the only good thing about that Steelers team, basically. Offensive Player of the Year was won by Cincinnati wide receiver Jamar Chase, who had a very good start, a so-so middle, and then an exceptional finish to the year. We had him picked across the board for this. Because really, look, it was it was, it was a fight between him and the, the quarterback from New England, who had also kind of Matt fallen Jones, off cliff yeah. at that point, yeah. Chase deserved it more, Matt Jones. Although, if Chase had not had that big game against the Chiefs near the end of the season, it's quite possible Matt Jones would have taken the vote. But yeah, he was he was the best offensive rookie by, by a good distance. 
Yeah. Defensive Player of the Year, Micah Parsons, Dallas linebacker. Me and Ronan had him, Sean Ewan for Bermore. Just played really, really well, although on a unit that probably overall underperformed to where you would have liked them to have been this year, but is not always the way for Dallas. He was the best rookie, but he was also close to being one of the best defensive players of the year all round. So, I mean, it wasn't competitive. I picked Barmore because, you know, I wanted to give him props for having a good season for the Pats, but Michael Parsons was clearly the best defensive rookie yet. Comeback player of the year, Cincinnati quarterback Joe Burrow, who obviously made it to the Super Bowl after blowing out his knee. I think I frankly just hadn't really considered him in the comeback player category, but I suppose he is. We had Dak across the board because he was putting up big numbers after obviously horrendous knee injury as well. But yeah, like look, Burrow played very well. They got to the Super Bowl. I think some of that narrative plays into it because I think Dak had a very good season coming back, but also then just had down games. Like, particularly at the back half, he kind of fell off a few bits in a couple of key spots where Burrow kind of held it together. Although, you know, we do sometimes forget that this was, in a couple of big games, more of a field goal offense at times. Towards the end of the season, that game against the Chiefs, and then obviously in the playoffs, he was lightning. Dak, yeah, he kind of fell off a bit towards the end. And... Coach of the year went to Tennessee head coach Mike Vrabel. I don't really like this one, but I can see why it went there. Personally, I think Dan Campbell was robbed. I think, <laughs> I think this should have been Dan Campbell's award. Like, Tennessee had a good roster and like I suppose he coached around a lot of injuries I think they used the most active players on a roster ever in the NFL and they'd reached that point by like week 12 or something so look it was a good job coaching around it but it was also it wasn't inspiring football this is a team that very very painfully stumbled towards the offseason because they had managed to get up a lead against tomato counts once you see it on paper number one seed in the AFC despite having all the injuries despite losing their best player for most of the season I mean it looks very impressive until you remember that they played awful it never really looked that spectacular their defense stepped up when needed in certain spots but the Titans are just a very uninspiring team all around so uh, but you got to give props there just wasn't a standout candidate, I think, for Coach of the Year was the big thing. Unless you want to give it to Zach Taylor, which, you know, there's questions over how good he actually is as a coach. Walter Payton, Man of the Year, went to LA Rams, offensive tackle Andrew Whitworth. You know, we, we often obviously highlight, you know, true crime and punishment and things like that. You know, the players who get stuff wrong and the problematic players. But I think it is worth remembering that there are lots of good people in the NFL as well. And the Walter Payton Man of the Year is a, a pretty good way for the NFL to recognize those people and the good charitable works that these people do in their off time. Nah. Hall of Fame class was inducted Tony Baselli, offensive tackle safety Leroy Butler linebacker Sam Mills defensive tackle Richard Seymour defensive tackle Bryant Young wide receiver Cliff Branch referee Art McNally and head coach Dick Vermeil. I don't see anything too controversial or anything too exciting really in this. Yeah like it wasn't uh, an amazing slate in terms of new potential inductees I think like there's some people that Demarcus Ware was snubbed all of these guys are solid players Baselli was the longest career but uh, had a very successful career he was basically the best offensive lineman or at least one of the top three at the time a perennial all pro Richard Seymour obviously associated with those uh, first set of New England teams that obviously ended up being the base in which the dynasty was built and yeah like Art McNally a very well-known referee and Dirk Movimo for mile um, associated with some very innovative uh, coaching, in particular to create a show on turf. Overall, probably not the kind of superstar Hall of Fame that we're used to, but a lot of guys here who probably have been waiting a while who got in, and deservedly so. 
And obviously the big one for us sitting over here on this side of the pond. Four international series NFL games are going to be played in Germany over the next four years. Two in Munich, two in Frankfurt. I think we've already decided that we're going to try and get ourselves tickets for the one this year as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are coming over and God knows what they'll look like. But there's a lot of heat that it might be them versus the Chiefs, which would be fun. And yeah, and to be honest, like that is still a relatively stacked roster. So we'll see what they can do with it. And we will get into that in the in, in obviously the, the previews and the, the divisional breakdowns and stuff. Look, I like I like going to the ones in London, but I, I, I've not really gone out. Outside of work, I've not gone to, to, to Germany. Yeah, I just kind of think it'll be very fun, very exciting, and I'm looking forward to it. It's been confirmed now that the Packers, the Jaguars, and the Saints will be the home teams for the London games this year. Uh, the Jaguars and Wembley, the other two in the Tottenham uh, Stadium. A new country like Germany, which obviously was kind of where NFL Europe back in the day was most popular, is a great opportunity and to expand that beyond you know the kind of the London thing, which has been such a big success. I think it'll be great. And- no, it should be should be good fun. Now, I think I think the only thing that would draw us back, Packers are a good are a nice draw for for London to be honest as well. So we'll see kind of what the matchups are looking like uh, once we get there. We'll move on to crime and punishment. What are they doing? Uh, nothing illegal in any of the states of America anymore. <laughs> I think. Atlanta wide receiver Calvin Ridley has been suspended for a minimum of one season after gambling on an NFL games on a I think a three five and an eight accumulator essentially, including Atlanta games. He was caught as he kind of was cross state using a legal app to place a fifteen hundred dollar bet and it got flagged and sent up to the NFL headquarters. I understand to a certain extent the like the integrity of the game and we can't have betting happening on these kind of things but he was not playing at the time had no inside information had no ability to impact the game was betting in favor of the fucking team like he wasn't even going like oh these guys will drop a ball like i don't really get this like we have players on huge things like sexual assaults on battery getting off on like two games suspensions three game suspensions and calvin ridley who while not playing put a bet on that his team would win it's been kicked out for a year seems a little bit fucking insane to me yeah it's it's the comparative where this becomes uh, kind of hard to sustain i mean all sports and a lot of sports have anti-gambling and anti-betting and in almost in most team sports even over here in europe if you are caught gambling on, on your own team regardless of which side you're betting, you are liable for a suspension. It, it makes sense because of integrity, as you said, it makes sense because you don't want to allow a situation in which team players are throwing games uh, or whatever. But it's the comparative. It's a guy losing 17 games an entire season of his career versus people losing two, four, six games for you know beating up their, you know domestic violence, uh, various other kinds of major violent crimes. I, I mean, it's it's coming to the fact that you know it's it's how bad do you, how bad the violent crime would have to be before someone gets a season's worth of a suspension. I mean, it would probably have to be some sort of brutal murder, which is, seems to be the comparison here. Is that is that gambling uh, in this way? And as you said, in a way that isn't actually illegal, other than the fact that he's a, a player is punished so heavily is, is where it kind of gets feels it sticks in the throat a little bit because of the severity of the punishment but I can I can understand the necessity of drawing a line and saying we can't allow this under any circumstances but certainly yeah something like a 2-4 six game suspension probably would have been fair in my eyes and look like I know people are called drawing comparisons to the uh, reports that came out during Brian Flores's testimony that Stephen Ross was offering 
money to lose games. Uh, mm. And to be honest, I do think if those end up being true and verified, which is probably going to be where the problem is, then I do think Stephen Ross probably would be voted out as an owner. But he obviously he has people denying that and legal teams and stuff, so he might get away with it even if he actually did that. Obviously, there's an argument that the, the domestic violence should have a larger punishment within the nfl i do think that should probably happen gambling is a situation that in the sport there are incentives that exist like being an nfl player doesn't increase your incentive to be a shit human being but being an nfl player does certainly increase your ability to gamble and to try and take advantage of free agent wide receiver Omel beckham jr uh tours acl in the super bowl so obviously this might have some impact on his 2022 season although he has come out and said that he wants to come back to the rams i believe indication that people are saying like look, if the recovery is more standard though we've seen some players come back quite quickly from acls and serious injuries recently then uh, there might be a case uh, that he might play or be a contributor but if not then he might sign a kind of uh, a contract which gives him some pay this year uh, a relatively team-friendly option for the 2023 season a few other little bits of news before we get into the kind of player movements and everything. Tampa Bay offensive guard Ali Marpet's retired after seven seasons, leaving $20 million left on the table on his current contract. Pittsburgh have hired former Miami head coach Brian Flores as a senior defensive assistant slash linebackers coach, which is, God, it's brilliant. Like, basically getting head coach level talent to be your linebackers coach. Fucking Pittsburgh. NFL and NFL players agree, have agreed to suspend all remaining COVID-19 protocols. So we're back to... Standard. Back again. to freedom. Back to freedom, America. <laughs> Bit surprised by the guard move. He's quite young, but obviously feels he's made enough money and doesn't want to put his body on the line anymore like that. Frankly, doesn't really have to, does he? So I think we're starting to see this a bit more with players in general, that now that players are being paid properly, they can actually just retire early rather than letting the injuries pile up. You're seeing this in, in, in other sports as well, that once you've made a comfortable nest egg, you kind of get in and get out, especially in, in a sport like football in which the injuries are so severe and also things like you got to worry about concussions and all the various sub-concussion problems down the line. I mean, if I was him, I'd be a get in, get out as soon as you can. If you have enough money to, to live the rest of your life in comfort, then why the hell would you play? Especially if you don't have a particular love for the game i think we overestimate sometimes and expect that all players have like this yeah. burning passion to play football for the love of it forever when in reality for most of these people it's a job it's a very lucrative job it's a job where they're getting particularly well paid for particular skills and there comes a point when that trade-off just isn't worth anymore in terms of injuries and a wider uh, threat to, to health and such like he's made 35 36 million like and he's got he's got the ring and now his quarterback is retired not brian far is higher it won't impact the court case that's pending and stuff like that as well so that's still ongoing at the same time just one last note then before we move on to it uh, the salary cap it has now been set at 208.2 million that's an increase from 182.5 million so a nice chunk of room coming in i think it's a little bit higher than people are even expecting it to move to but remember that we have a deflated number because of the covid 19 slight reduction a year ago so extensions and tags green bay have God, this, we were going to record this two days ago and then so much happened. Like, So Green Bay have extended Aaron Rodgers a four-year, it's believed to be $200 million deal with $155 million guaranteed and they've tagged Devontae Adams because obviously the increase in the salary cap and that this Rodgers deal is meant to kind of offset some of the money or whatever will set them up. So this is Green Bay running it back. This is a deal which... Aaron Rodgers is disputing on Twitter saying that like the reports of 200 billion and 155 is untrue, but it's going to be big. It's probably going to be at least Patrick Mahomes' money, basically. So it might be 40 million something. But regardless, it's going to be a very big contract. But this is kind of a Drew Brees type contract or later Drew Brees contract where basically the 
Green Bay Packers are mortgaging the future and there's some future year when Aaron Rodgers leaves or retires where they're going to have like 50 million like cap hits or something like that but who cares I suppose if you have a franchise quarterback and you have a system that's working obviously they've won a lot of regular season games but fallen short in the playoffs then yeah they're basically they will probably end up creating cap space through this move by you know contract chicanery and they've been moving a lot of money around in other places to kind of make room for the Devontae Adams tag that was expected to happen so basically you are running it back you're basically running the same system and um, there may be some cuts on the defense like uh, I believe there's some you know, defensive ends might be cut but overall it seems like they're just kind of well we've been good we just need to be good in the playoffs why would you break that up it's it's all in from here Jordan Love is probably never going to see the field for Green Bay as no. a starter and obviously this is the death nail too we'll come to it later on the uh, the Broncos hopes and dreams of drawing Aaron Rodgers to them having brought in his one of his favorite coaches but yes we'll, we'll come on to where that lands afterwards but yeah this is just keep the team together I presume Devontae Adams if he does really just want to stick with Rodgers will kind of agree to some kind of three-year deal here and move himself off the tag but we'll see because I think the yeah. tag is pretty tasty for a wide receiver anyway Chargers have extended wide receiver Mike Williams a three-year 60 million dollar deal with 40 million guaranteed I don't know if this is maybe paying a little bit too much for Mike Williams. He's good, but I'm not sure. The thing is, I'm not. I have to see how the market settles on wide receivers. But like at 20 million a year with two of the three years guaranteed, that seems pricey to me. I think they're in a good place in terms of cap because obviously they have the rookie contract with in place. Even though yeah. it's, a, it's a it's a top five pick, so it's not completely cheap, but it's more than reasonable. They don't have that many huge contracts coming up because of uh, because of that. And, you know, they've paid most of the guys like Joey Bosa and Keenan Allen already. So I think if you have the spare money, and there's certainly a lot of money going around with the cap increase, then why would you let uh, a guy like Mike Williams, who looked so good early on before he got injured, and that kind of slowed him down a bit, and, you know, hamstring Justin Herbert? Like, that just doesn't make sense. So, yes, I do think it's a bit of an overpay, but I think with the cap the way it is and how few, like, game changers there are available in free agency... I think paying your guys just makes sense these days and Mike Williams is one of those guys who's been a beneficiary of that and I think the big thing that's going to come from this is that the contract demands of the guys who do make it the free agency guys like Alan Robinson mm. is probably going to go way through the roof. Yeah, See, this is where I this is where I disagree. It's it's because the, there's a lot of good wide receivers in the market as we'll talk about. You would think therefore that the price of them is going to go down comparatively because only the really good ones are going to get contracts. Someone like Mike Williams in a different year in a different free agency class would have stood out head and shoulders and would have been chased after. But now he's kind of middle of the pack or upper above average in terms of the wide receivers that are going to be available. So it does feel like overpaying for something that you didn't necessarily need to overpay for. Because I don't know if he'd get 60 million in the actual market. Even if that's true, we know he has a good relationship with Justin Herbert. You have uh, you have obviously the other weapons around. So I think for the Chargers point of view, why would you mess with the thing that worked like the offense? And obviously the defense needs a lot of work. So I, I just think it's like, you know, maybe Allen Robinson would be equivalently good, but maybe not. You just don't know how it's going to go. So keep the guys mm-hmm. that have made your quarterback look like the superstar he is. Don't take any risks on that side and maybe add some additional to him. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just writing down my little notebook here. You're like, oh, the Chargers offense works, so why mess with it? Oh, we'll wait till we get to that preview then. We'll wait till we get to that preview. I don't think it works all that well. <laughs> Tennessee extend outside linebacker Harold Landry five years, 87 million. I initially wasn't sure if this was a good idea or not, but I think basically they were going to tag him and the tag was going to cost 18 million or something anyway. And about, what, 45, 50 of this is guaranteed. So it probably comes out in the wash 
look, he's, he's a decent sack artist. He had uh, 12 sacks this season. And we know the edge rushers, they tend to be very expensive anyway. And I think if you're going to get someone like Harold Landry in free agency, you're probably going to pay more. So I think it probably suits both sides just to get a deal done rather than having to go through the tag and the years of, of negotiation. Like he's a guy who perhaps isn't someone who is an every down linebacker in the sense he's not as good against the run and he's a bit small but in terms of just pure pass rush he's one of the best out there and so it makes sense to have a guy like that on your team let's look at the tags tampa bay have tagged wide receiver chris godwin makes sense to me i presume they're looking to get a deal done but they're trying to figure out their wide receiving core and probably trying to incentivize brady to come back Kansas City tied offensive tackle Orlando Brown Jr. Yeah, look, he played very well from last year. They're trying to hammer out a longer-term deal, and I think he wants a longer-term deal, and I think they've got the space to do it. So uh, Cincinnati tied safety Jesse Bates. Again, I think just makes sense. And as you said, Fitz, like, there's a lot of money going around. They have a lot of like money on yeah. their on their run. I think we said at the end of the Super Bowl review, but like they have a lot of money to go around. So if you're the Bengals, it's just like everyone who works, keep them, and then we can just uh, use all of the available money and tag and, and picks and stuff to get new offensive linemen. That's it, and maybe some uh, cornerbacks. But the cornerbacks and offensive linemen, everyone else, you're staying where you are. Cleveland tag David Njoku, their tight end. I think or, they want to extend him, but I'm not yeah. quite sure why. Like it's never really yeah. worked out there. And to be honest, like Mike Kosicki was tagged by Miami, Dallas tagged Dalton Schultz. I think that more reflects the fact that the tag for the tight end position is yeah, pretty... it's crazy cheap. It's like seven yeah. million or something, isn't it? And of course, like Mike Kosicki in reality is more of a slot well, receiver. More. I, I was going to say, like, expect now we're, we're going to have a Graham style legal battle again because I think Kosicki lines up as a wide receiver two thirds of the time or something. So like, uh, who 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 decides this stuff? probably the nfl so i don't think he's getting it so i'm sorry mike you're, you're probably just stuck where you are and then jacksonville tied cam robinson their offensive tackle the only interesting thing about cam robinson is that they tagged him last season as well he's been pretty average like he's maybe now like a middle of the pack offensive tackle but the main thing is that this indicates that jacksonville may be going uh, defensive lineman uh, with the overall number one pick rather than offensive lineman yeah so those are all the tags and like i said the majority of them are probably going to be looking to work longer term deals if they can let's get on to two very big trades and do do, do we have a like the the funeral march like lined up there for the end of the russell wilson era because uh denver we mentioned we're in the hunt for aaron Rodgers. aaron Rodgers signed his big deal so denver turned their attentions to the pacific northwest and they're going to trade the 2022 first round, second round, and fifth round pick, and the 2023 first round and second round pick, as well as defensive tackle Shelby Harris, quarterback Drew Locke, and tight end Noah Fant. All the way up to the Seahawks in exchange for Russell Wilson and a 2022 fourth round pick from Seattle. This is obviously huge. Wilson gets a lump of wide receiver weapons that he wants and probably something closer to what he would like from a line, although it does now mean that he is going to get to run the show, whatever that's going to look like. Mr. Unlimited is going to be allowed to cook in the kitchen. He's too many fucking catchphrases. <laughs> but Denver, you know, they've given up a lot to get him, but this is almost kind of par for the course for them. Like, they brought in Peyton Manning. Like, they kind of, they know that this has been the hole in their roster and they're hoping to fill it now. The Seahawks get an absolute ton of stuff coming back their direction they've got what they've now got the money for for trade moves or if they want to go and start fresh and draft a lot of people in the draft i'd imagine this isn't the end of the changes in seattle i think we'll talk once we get to the cuts that they've released bobby wagner as well so i don't think there's a single player left from the from the super bowl winning team but i also don't think 
Pete Carroll, the oldest head coach, is going to want to go for a full rebuild. I think he sees, he thinks he has a path here to take these bits and kind of put something together relatively sharpish. Blockbuster, one of the biggest ones that we've had, and maybe a controversial opinion out here, Denver have just traded the farm to have the third best quarterback in their own division. Look, I'll, I'll talk about the, the Seattle side. I'm sure, uh, Connor, you'll have opinions about Denver, of course, uh, being the... Uh I can't the city Chiefs fan, and I'm sure Sean has opinions about both, but uh, on the Denver side, I'll let him talk about that. Just as a Seattle fan, obviously, it's harder not to kind of go like this is the end of the era. As you mentioned, like Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner were the last two kind of associations with that Super Bowl winning potential dynasty, of course. So, obviously, kind of ended to some extent by that decision uh, that uh, Malcolm Butler picked back in the day. Like, I, I kind of I get it. Like, you know, Seattle, because of poor drafting and because they threw a lot of draft picks at like trading for people like Jamal Adams which is the butt of every joke because they had to trade four or two firsts for that and now it's like oh yeah you know Russell Wilson's only worked a couple of seconds and three players more than Jamal Adams probably it's a fair enough point they were winning they were all in they were signing guys like Dwayne Brown over the last few seasons and now it has come to nothing effectively they're just going into a full rebuild now and obviously it's a lot of picks with which to start that rebuild but as I mentioned the draft picks since that early stage where Pete Carroll and and John Schneider had all those amazing picks where they got like guys like Richard Sherman and Russell Wilson and Cam Chancellor in the later rounds. They really haven't done anything like that basically for a decade now. You know, you're going to give them all of this ammunition to try and overhaul this team. I can kind of understand why they think of it that way because obviously their success early on in Seattle came by being incredibly aggressive on the roster and turning it over. And as the years have gone on, they've been less able to do that because of the constraints of having a highly paid quarterback and a highly paid linebacker and some, you know, obviously now a highly paid safety as well. But ultimately, it's hard when Carroll is 70 years old to get excited for a full rebuild, get excited for him to probably revert to running the ball like every single down and where he can get away with it. And especially in a context where there's basically no one available, as we'll talk about in a moment, on the QB free agent market and that the draft market for QBs this year is pretty poor. Now, obviously, they have the first next year, but if Denver do pretty well next year, then that won't be probably in the hunt to get like one of those top quarterbacks so you know ultimately you know there's mixed emotions both in terms of you know what this represents in terms of my you know in terms of being a fan of the Seahawks but also in terms of like you know if you use your quarterback we have, there are so many teams in the NFL including of course Denver since Peyton Manning retired where if you don't have a quarterback you don't do nothing you are basically fucked for the foreseeable future and so every time you choose to opt into that scenario you have to be majorly concerned that all of this draft capital will end up being for nothing so there's concerns over what the future of the coaching staff is and that scenario. There's concerns about, you know, just the product on the field and the players on the field. Ultimately, for me, it's not the biggest point here, but I've talked so many times in the past that bad ownership is something that ultimately does end up costing teams on the field uh, in terms of how the organization runs. And the fact is that Seattle have had an interim owner in Jody Allen, the sister of Paul Allen, who was obviously the billionaire for Microsoft, who you know created a, a team that, that, that kept the team in Seattle, created a successful franchise, and that this team has basically been taken over by Pete Carroll to some extent because he's the elder statesman and he's a lot of influence and you know he has won it's hard not to feel that he has won a battle with his quarterback to have his vision of football which just to be honest feels outdated doesn't feel like it's successful and you know it's based on a specific moment in time when being incredibly aggressive made sense because of the new CBA and rookies being very cheap and a lot of free agents coming out because of that 
which I don't think has shown to be up to date with the guys in their own division with the Shanahan's, with the McVeigh's. Um, so overall, I'm not particularly optimistic about this, both in terms of you know losing your quarterback and not to be able to maximize the value of the the resources they've got out of this. And I do, you know, personally, I hope I'm wrong, but I could very easily see this turning into a you know could easily be a lost decade for the Seattle franchise, given the ownership situation, given a head coach getting a bunch of picks without having a future, and yeah, just the general problem of not having quarterbacks be so you know problematic. Like you know, like we had Matt Flynn at the point like we were signing guys like Matt Flynn and Charlie Whitehurst before we got Russell Wilson they drafted him and they weren't planning to start him and he had to win it in the in the in the offseason like just from the the Broncos perspective I mean it's I think it's huge I think they're gonna they're really Super Bowl contenders now this was a team I mean it's the perfect example of why an elite quarterback is so important in NFL this is a team that has a really good defense it's got a good running back core, good receivers. I mean, generally the offensive pieces are, are there, but because you have to deal with, you know, Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater or whatever, you're, you're, you know, you can't win more than eight or nine games in a season, especially in your division, which has Pat Mahomes and Justin Herbert in it. I mean, the problem is, as you said, it's an upgrade, yes, but it's an upgrade to still only being the third best quarterback in their division. And it's a guy who's maybe not been, he's two years maybe since Russell Wilson, Wilson has had a, a truly good yeah. season. But on paper, they're, you know, I think the, the odds have them, Vegas has them fourth or fifth joint favorites now for the Super Bowl. Um, I think they've, they've got a lot of things going. I'm not 100% convinced their receiving core is as good as Wilson's going to need them to be. But certainly it's going to be interesting to see how this pans out. And as you said, they've got a form for this, the Broncos, that they know how to sell their future in the name of getting a superstar quarterback. But Russell Wilson isn't Peyton Manning. They are going to have to rely on the defense still holding up. They are going to have to rely on their running backs doing the job. So it's it's interesting to see. It's a risk, I think, on, on as Fitz says, the Seattle side looks pretty bleak in terms of what they're doing. But it isn't a win-win on, on, on the Broncos side either. This is, is a risk that... Will either work or it won't. And if they end up with another eight and nine season or whatever, and suddenly they have no first round picks anymore, no second round picks for a while, and you know it can all go very badly very quickly for a guy who's, you know, it's he's he won a Super Bowl seven years ago. I mean, it, you know, quarterbacks have a, a kind of longevity to them, but you know, it's yeah, it's it's not the slam dunk that Aaron Rodgers would have been. Let's just put it that way. From a schematic point of view, it will be interesting because. Like, obviously, the thing that Russell Wilson definitely is elite at and has shown that over the last, like, you know, still over the last few seasons is his deep ball. But I think within the, like, he played last year in a system that should be similar to what the, the new, like, the new coach Nathaniel Hackett system, like, kind of the Sean McVay system, the Shanahan type system. But that really requires him to get better at doing those throws across the middle. I think, you know, Russell Wilson has had success doing that in the past, especially when you had Doug Baldwin. But the last few years, he's become very dependent on the deep ball to kind of get any production going but maybe that that could have been a Pete, like a Pete Carroll thing because he loves running the ball instead of doing short passes it would be really interesting to see if Russell Wilson more willing to kind of take advantage of guys like Jerry Judy over the middle and Albert O over the middle or whether he just kind of tries to turn Cortland Sutton into the new like DK Metcalf but like I trust that Russell Wilson he's still a certainly a top 10 quarterback I mean it'll just be interesting to see how they choose schematically whether they kind of lean on the deep ball like Seattle did or whether they choose to kind of turn him into someone like Aaron Rodgers who succeeded so much at getting those kind of shorter passes and, and even even, guys like Jimmy Garoppolo who succeeded so much in that type of system this is because I, I, I put him kind of just maybe just below that level of that but he's also had two down years so I'm just waiting to see it I am interested that there is a little bit and we might hear more about this down the line that there definitely feels like there's a little bit of like 
senior management behind all of this move so obviously there's a little bit of a power vacuum in seattle and that's kind of been filled by carol and this feels like carol's made the decision remember that denver is in the process of looking to sell their their team and that having a very recognizable super bowl winning face and being competitive in a division that they have been bottom feeders in for several years now is actually important and i do think that there have been some not just purely football elements that have gone into this decision making from the management on both sides so i do think that's just a factor to bear in mind when you see how this is played out in the media over the next couple of months as well you know you go from the denver broncos to the denver broncos yeah <laughs> no, no they're pretty good that russell wilson guy he won that uh, super bowl yeah, yeah uh, got a few hundred extra hundred million on there if you grant. and washington in, in other quarterback news <laughs> Good oh, God. Mel want of the Washington, who were in for Russell Wilson. We know that they made a big offer, but uh, Russell Wilson did not want to go to that team. So the uh, the Washington, what is it, Commanders? Is that right? Yeah. 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 I'm just going to keep calling the Washington football team. The Washington football team have traded a 2022 third and a 2023 third for Carson Wentz from Indianapolis, who were already trying to get rid of him. So why the fuck did you need to trade anything for him? I believe they're also going to eat a lump of his salary cap as well, which is going to help Indianapolis. Uh, Washington were rumored to have called around almost every single team. They put together a list of somewhere between 30 and 38 quarterbacks that they were interested in and rang about every single one of them desperate desperate they are uh, as you said fits the smell of want of them this is a disaster waiting to happen it's not yeah. like Carson Wentz has been the healthiest quarterback to begin with and that field is known for destroying knees and careers uh, we saw it with Fitzmagic we've seen it with Alex Smith we've seen it with RG3 it's just it's just such a disaster up front that it, I just can't see how this will work out um, except for Eagles fans who will get to enjoy beating him up twice a year um, there is also some other stuff happening in this trade I think they're doing a second round uh, swap and I think a seventh rounder I think today was confirmed going to Washington in return uh, but overall it's basically a third two thirds and um, with I think the 2023 third can become a second uh, similar to the incentives for Wentz with Indianapolis mm. last year if he plays 75% of the starter snaps but this is just there's no way this works out this is just a disaster this yeah. is this is just yeah just a team desperate to not have to start Tyler Haneke and to be honest I don't know if Carson Wentz is that much of an improvement over Taylor Haneke it's just it's the same yeah. thing you're still as fucked so I would probably recommend getting you know investing more in running back and offensive line and uh, hopefully not having to rely too much on this because like if you have the best running back in the league last year I don't know how he's going to do much better if he doesn't get something similar out of like Antonio Gibson, whoever they have this year. Yeah, no, I just I love the fact that the Commanders' odds to win Super Bowl actually went out when they made this trade. <laughs> that, the, that they're actually now less likely to win the Super Bowl than they were beforehand, yeah. which says all that needs to be said about Carson. Hey, look, 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 look! Both of these teams have just traded their futures for a Super Bowl winning quarterback. We all know the Washington <laughs> team has no future. <laughs> <laughs> good luck cashing in this 2023 third <laughs> I don't expect <laughs> to be around at that point we mentioned there in the Denver trade Seattle have also caught linebacker Bobby Wagner obviously big change in the guard I think there's due a bit of money there's a bit of a kind of Pete clearing out the, the, the old almost like the kind of college stuff that he used to do previously of just like keeping it fresh gimme 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 I wouldn't mind Bobby Wagner yeah like look Bobby Wagner he, he's lost a step compared to you know a few years ago but he's still an elite linebacker He's good at the run, he's good at the blitz, he's good in coverage. And yeah, I think whoever gets him will still get someone who has a couple more years of uh, at least Pro Bowl kind of level caliber play. But this is a guy who's been, you know, one of the best linebackers for the last decade. Obviously, part of that 
um, famous uh, Seattle defense that terrorized teams in the early 2010s. And yeah, alongside the Russell Wilson thing, it's basically the complete end of an era. But uh, I wish Bobby Wagner only all the best because, you know, he doesn't have catch races. He's never had any bullshit. He's just gone out there every week and been a brilliant player for Seattle, even when the defenses have declined so much over the, like, the last five years. Just be, it's a real loss to have. And all I hope is that, yeah, he ends up like a team in like Kansas City instead of like they going to like, the Rams or something. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love him to come to Kansas City because we've got, we've got, we've got two very good young linebackers and I think he'd work really well and kind of give them a bit of senior leadership and stuff as well. And on that, I suppose we'll go over and have a look at the free agent preview. So kicking this off, a quick overview, whistle stop to start, is that on offense, it's thin a quarterback unless you're looking to trade. There's some good skill positions. There's some okay offensive line issues, and there's quite a wide variety of ages here. So there are some young people available, but there's also some old dudes who might be kind of in the hunt for a ring or have they lost a step on the defense middling defensive line options some interesting names at linebacker and at uh, defensive back so we'll kick off with the big position quarterback sorry i'd even forgotten that like jimmy g's already actively going to try and get traded so why the fuck would you go out of your way to get Wentz? i just don't know okay quarterback needy teams new orleans tampa bay carolina pittsburgh seattle indianapolis we have Jimmy G available on trade, Seamus Winston, Marcus Mariota, Mitch Trubisky, Teddy Bridgewater, Fitzmagic, Andy Dalton, Jacoby Brissett, all kind of sitting out there and available. Wild card elements, Kyler Murray is currently still fighting with the Arizona Cardinals. Kirk Cousins, if you're willing to pay, I think he's due like 50 million or something this year. It's shocking. Yeah, and you're uh, probably giving up like a high pick as well to get him out of Minnesota. Which is Similar just... with Derek Carr as well. Yeah, Derek Carr is a similar stuff. And, uh, and then obviously Deshaun Watson with the legal proceedings too. They are going to be shopping him though. The, his grand jury date is on the Friday of this week, so there will be some level of clarity probably by the time you listen to this. But uh, obviously we're not really rooting for Deshaun Watson. To no. You know, we're like Deshaun Watson. Yeah. So like I, I'm, I'm a bit confused about the Jimmy Ting G thing as well. Like Sean, you like you saw him in New England uh, and stuff like that. Like I don't like is Jimmy G a guy that you would trade for or see teams trading for? It's 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 really tough to actually put a finger on how good or bad Jimmy G actually is as a quarterback because they're he's one of these guys that's like ninety percent reliable. You could just use him as a game manager if you've got pieces around him. If you've got talent like like Depot or whatever, people who could do the, the kind of the fancy stuff around him, he's reliable. But then every once in a while, he'll just throw a stupid interception. And then every four games, he'll throw like eight interceptions in one game. Like he's just, a re- he's a reliable game manager that actually isn't all that reliable when you get down to it. But he's also a guy who took a team to a Super Bowl. And it's like, it's very hard to actually pin the 49ers this year who were, look, you know, he was getting them down the field when they needed to get down the field. It's really hard to actually pin down him, his quality, he's probably better than Carson Wentz yet. We can say this. Is he better than Kirk Cousins? Possibly not. Would it be better than someone like James Winston? I mean, James Winston's just a more variable version of him, I guess. Um, so it's, it's, it's hard to say. For, say, the, would the Pats want him with Mac Jones? Probably not. The problem with quarterbacks is it's an upgrade thing, right? You are looking to upgrade and it's the cost of the upgrade. Which is what makes the Carson Wentz thing so stupid is that they're upgrade. They're not even upgrading that much, and yet they they had to pay for it. Is Jimmy G that much of an upgrade? How what percentage of the quarterback starters we have in the league is Jimmy G actually an upgrade on? Probably less than half, maybe. 
It's difficult to know. Plus, you imagine the Niners would probably want some stuff for him, given his, you know, he's a Super Bowl quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I almost think he'd be better off with the 49ers. I think that they, I mean, they obviously don't want him. They want to go with the Trey Lance thing. But, I mean, I think he had a good thing going on. They finally got their little bit of rhythm going on. Don't expect too much of him. Just kind of let him let him do his thing and, and eat the occasional interceptions. Is just the cost of having a guy who is reliable the other length of the time. Occasional um, is generous. I think he's just dumb, hot. Alex Smith, basically. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because at least Alex, I think Alex Smith understood football, or at least certainly did, uh, you know, when he started succeeding later in his career. But Jimmy G, like, he throws over the middle, but you're never quite certain, like, and he's quite good at it, but you're, you're always of the feeling that, uh, like, a good defensive back, like, a, not Ed Reed, because he's retired wide, but that kind of defensive back can, can trick him and can, can manipulate him. And I think he's in his best, like, the problem is he is in his best situation in the Shanahan system in San Francisco, where his job is just to get in the hands of guys like Kittle and Debo and Ayuk, and then just let those guys do their job. And he's very good at it, and it suits Shanahan to have a guy like that rather than an inaccurate guy like Trey Lance, who obviously has way more upside. Yeah, I, I think you're right. He has the most value in San Francisco, but obviously they made that move to get the, the young, you know, upstart who can get to the next level. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he stayed in San Francisco, but, like, teams are desperate. Obviously, Indianapolis are, are being highly associated with them. That would make sense. Maybe a Tampa Bay, obviously, given, you know, oh, he's just bad Tom Brady. But, yeah, I, I don't really see the value. And, like, the rest of these guys, like Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Mitchell Trubisky, like, stop trying to make fetch no happen. Interest. These guys no interest. Are, are not... They were given all the chances in the world as former, you know, like first round picks. And like, look, I, like I think you could definitely see them. Like, okay, maybe with the right situation, they could maybe turn it around. But I think in ninety percent of the cases, it's unlikely. And especially yeah. Mitchell Trubisky. This like Mitchell Trubisky like reclamation tour like hype train. I don't buy it all. The guy can't throw the half of the field. He showed that in Chicago after three seasons, and they don't like it. And look, Teddy Bridgewater gets no respect, but Teddy Bridgewater is probably as good as these guys like remember Teddy Bridgewater went undefeated under Sean Payton in New Orleans but Jameis Winston after being kind of okay under Sean Payton last year by being super conservative is the guy that is getting hyped up doesn't really make sense to me uh, overall and Marcus Mariota like he showed up for like three run plays for Vegas and suddenly he's a reclamation project it's just this feels like guys reaching because these were high draft picks in, in the past rather than actually having shown much on tape like Jameis Winston at least if you just want to, if you want to be an explosive offense, just you have guys. If you have great wide receivers, like X receivers, who can you know make contested catches, sure, get Jameis Winston, take advantage of that. He like he would actually probably be the best suit of these to Seattle, just like throw it up to DK Metcalf, etc. But are these guys who are going to turn around and turn into what people expected when they got drafted high? Probably not. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I mostly agree with what you said. I mean, uh, Fitz, but I mean, James Winston, I think last season proved that he can, if he's shackled the right way, he can be useful for a team. Um, it kind of makes me feel, I mean, Saints probably would have been a good place. I mean, also something like the Steelers might work where he's got a kind of good coaches with him who are going to, you know, make sure he doesn't make stupid mistakes and kind of has a system that works. Um, I think putting him into a kind of Seattle spot where he's expected to make spectacular throws to win games is just going to be recipe for five interceptions a game kind of thing. Um, so, I mean, I think there is some, there is a quarterback in James Winston that can be extracted and used for, for good purposes, but you need the right coaches around him. The rest of them I agree with. I mean, Mitch Titties is ridiculously overrated because he's white. Teddy Bridgewater is the most boring quarterback ever, and he's not even productive boring the way Alex Smith was. Mariota is at least three, four years past his prime, even if his prime was all that good. 
and then you get down to the real you know the once you start talking about the Andy Dalton's of this world you may as well be given up but the problem is the quarterback is so valuable that teams are willing to take risks just to get one who is potentially good right anyone who has a question mark over is this guy might be good teams are willing to take a chance because the alternative is that you have to start your random jabroni quarterback um, and we've seen how ba- bad quarterbacks are really bad in this league if you're if you're not of a certain caliber you get eaten alive and so even you know an above average quarterback is gold dust but yeah it's not a great set of them Jameis would probably be the one that's most valuable but he does need the right coaches uh, around him and just we'll talk about it in future podcasts but the context here is that the, there aren't a great number of viable first round quarterbacks expected I think people are going to get picked in the first round but aren't considered to be at that talent level um, in the draft this year so some of these guys could end up starting where maybe in pre- other years they'd get uh, kicked to the road for a, a rookie next up we'll look at running back and fullbacks teams looking in this like Houston Miami Atlanta Arizona Buffalo Tampa Bay it's a lot of lot of recognizable names in here. So Leonard Fournette, playoff Lenny, great, but obviously a little bit older. Melvin Gordon, who's again good but a bit older. Rashad Penny, James Connor, Sony Michelle, Chase Edmondson, Corderell Patterson, Raheem Mozart, and Patrick Ricard. Do any of these guys jump out to you? I think Rashad Penny is an interesting one. Did nothing for basically three and a half years after being selected in the first round as a running back by Seattle. And then in the last like five or six games, suddenly turned into an absolute monster for Seattle, getting you know somewhere between 100 to 200 yards in every game it felt like. And I think you saw him. He's a great second level running back. If he can get to the second level, he's gone like a shot. So he's like kind of that boom and bust uh, type candidate, kind of almost like an Adrian Peterson type. And so if you're talking about someone who has upside in the tank, then he's the guy that you would want. Whereas if you want to just a more reliable option who've kind of proven this over for last year that they can be a you know a, like a top 15 franchise type running back Leonard Fournette Melvin Gordon these are guys who make sense I think Melvin Gordon would be great if you have like a young uh, running back in the stable to pair with him because I think Melvin Gordon has shown that he can be the pass catching running back he can be the power running back and we saw he was kind of the pass catcher for Denver last year but he was kind of the more power one for the Chargers when they had Eckler back in the day so I think he's a great option to pair with someone rather than make your kind of franchise so, so I say somewhere like the Jets where they have uh, Michael Carter the kind of more passing back smaller back would make sense uh, but like teams like Houston Miami just need to update here, here. and uh, you know I'll give Connor sorry Sean the opportunity to pick up James Connor to annoy Connor yeah uh, <laughs> opportunity now. yeah I'm, I'm surprised he isn't up there in, in you know the very top of this list I mean he had a really good season <laughs> I mean I know you hate him Connor but he had a really good season with the Cardinals once he kind of slotted into that role that he knew what his job was and he was given the responsibility and as the season went on he got better and better at the point where they're the Cardinal season was falling to bits there, kind of week 12, week 13. He was the guy to be to be relied upon. So I think he'd be a good pickup. I mean, I think he, again, is a guy who needs to be in the right system, needs to have coaches who know how to use him. But when he does, he seems to be quite good. The other one I suppose I'd flag is Cordell Patterson, obviously mostly because of the dual threat thing, which is in an evolution of the game. We see it with Debo, obviously, that the, the running back wide receiver combos is a very interesting thing. Patterson, I mean, he's, he had his moments during the season. He certainly looked at times like he could be the Falcons' entire offense. So he could be an interesting one to pick up as a kind of a dynamic kind of game changer if you have someone with good schemes and, and, and fancy plays that you can break out. 
Um, and the rest of them, as he said, the rest of them are mostly just kind of solid. You know, they will do a job for you. Fortnite obviously has his moments, but, you know, is nowhere near consistent. So, I mean, it's a, it's a decent it's a decent pool. But, I mean, I would be surprised if James Conner isn't given a lot of money based on what he did last season as this this is his ceiling. It could actually be quite high if, he, if he's coached well. I don't know, because this is I, I, one of the general questions I have about this. Is like, is there really much of a market for second, third contract running backs? Like... There's a lot of there's loads of young running backs coming through, and everyone finds them like, yes, okay, you can get a solid enough set of hands in them, and you kind of know what you have if you put them with some people. But like, I think the days of giving running backs big second contracts as they're coming into the tail end of their twenties and hitting thirty is kind of gone. No, none of these guys are going to get huge contracts, in my opinion. Like, they will get decent contracts, but none of them will be like in the Christian McCaffrey or anything anywhere near that. These are all solid role players in any given offense. Oh, I'd, 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 I'm sorry, just, just as you say him, I'd also add him into the list of potential trades that could occur. I could see them shifting him if, if the offer was right. Like, let's give some respect to the fullbacks. Patrick Ricard's actually a pretty good uh, fullback. He's been really good for the Baltimore Ravens, and I think he's apparently looking for kind of like middling tight end money, so he obviously sees himself as comparable to someone like Kyle Juszczyk, who's obviously been a major weapon for San Francisco, but needs to go to the right team who knows what they're getting out of them. But there's actually a decent set of fullbacks. Like Michael Burton's available. I think Andy Yanovich was uh, released by Cleveland, so if you're looking for a fullback, there's plenty of value in the market this year. Wide receiver tight end is an interesting one because as you said earlier, Sean, there's quite a lot of people coming through on this one. Some very provable commodities, some that have like maybe had a down year or two, some that are, you know, work out and maybe are getting a little bit longer in the tooth. So we'll start off to the top of this. Obviously, I think the big one that's sitting out there is Alan Robinson, who had a down season last year and actually got kind of into it with the management about it, which would be a got a bit of a mark against but was consistently putting up very good seasons with absolute dog shit at quarterback juju now hits the market after his one year deal where he didn't do very much gallops on the market and i think he's a very good wide receiver too but then you've also got like Ertz, who was good but has also had injury issues is quite old christian kirk uh russell gage like tight ends are like evan ingram gronk might be around like lower end wide receivers like the bottom you're probably getting to like the eighth or ninth wide receiver in this and you're DJ Chark who wasn't used but they had dog shit for brains at, at, at head coach like Chark had had an incredible two seasons for the for the Jags before that and I think he's probably still got it in him like there's a lot of options here yeah no I mean Robinson is obviously the big name here and as you said his season is just gone isn't great but the Bears were a dumpster fire of an organization and his quality is obviously permanent and get him into the right situation he could be a really good number one Juju is kind of in that time to start proving it situation I mean is he going to go for another one year contract uh, and where would he go a bit of hype apparently around Christian Kirk which is interesting I mean he had a he had a couple of nice moments last season when the, the Cardinals got into their, their injury hole um, he could be useful but apparently there might be a lot of money going for him. I mean, it's also worth noting people like OBJ are wide receiver are wide receiver free agents um, as well who need to be need to be uh, put in that. Um, DJ Chark, as you said, has had his moments. I mean, there is a lot of talent. I think Marcus Valdez-Scantling is also available on the wide receiver market. So there's a lot of names and there's a lot of talent, but the, the only real like superstar here is, is Robinson for me. The rest of them kind of have, you need to still need to prove it a little bit that you have consistency, but I think Robinson is a great pickup for whoever gets him. 
Yeah, I think if you're looking for a wide receiver two or three, you already got your guys. Um, like, say, a team like uh, Cincinnati have their guys, or even Kansas City, you know, trying yeah. to find someone to replace the Sammy Watkins role. Um, I think there are definitely options here. Like, Juju Smith-Schuster was strongly associated with Kansas City last year. That would be a pretty good pick, pick up for them, and he would kind of fill a role uh, complementary uh, to Travis Kelsey. And, like, Gallup is a, is a great deep threat. Uh, Christian Kirk is a great deep threat. Jameson Crowder is a great like slot receiver potential, and Russell Gage is similar. Tight end, there's some decent receiving options like Ertz and Evan Ingram. Though I think Ertz is probably better off just going back to Arizona. I think that's an offense that suits him. But I think Allen Robinson, as we've said, is the only one who has the potential to be kind of your number one receiver and take up that role. He's done that previously for the Bears with some pretty terrible quarterback play. And so if he if if we discount last year is just he was discontent and unhappy about getting tagged and wasn't putting in the effort which obviously is a red flag to some extent but if you take him to a team that's successful and he's going to make them their, their number one then hopefully that will resolve that issue there is one x factor here because there are strong reports dallas cowboys will be releasing amari cooper if they can't get a trade done in the next couple of days before the season start if mm. he becomes available he will vault to being probably above alan robinson as being that potential wide receiver one that guy you can just put in as your kind of main target so expect a lot of action there if he does make it to market and just in terms of teams that we look in Chicago, Vegas, New England Atlanta, New Orleans Jacksonville, Kansas City there's loads of places that would just like to get a decent WR2 at least and there's some that are in the hunt for that WR1 offensive line Cincinnati, Carolina Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh Miami, Vegas but realistically everyone is constantly looking to upgrade their line uh, so there'll be a lot of people interested top name here probably tackle Teron Armstead but then outside of that we've got Brandon Scherf James Daniels Alex Kappa at guard Noteboom Brown Brown Williams Jensen Bozeman Jones there's lots and lots and lots of ones available some you know hitting mid-tier after high draft pedigree, some kind of older, some you know, kind of slight reclamation projects, but there are plenty of players available. I would like to see Cincinnati grab at least two of these kind of top seven guys. <laughs> That'll be a nice start and then draft someone, but, you know. Yeah, and this is a solid draft for offensive linemen as well, so there's plenty yeah. of opportunities to upgrade. I don't think any of these guys are like at the Trent Williams level where we're like, this guy is a stud left tackle, pay whatever is needed to get him. Obviously, he ended up re-signing with San Francisco, but he, he could have been a free agent last year. But Terran Armstead, look, he's been a guy who's been a Pro Bowl left, like quality left tackle, but there's just concerns over his age and his injury profile. He's missed a lot of games over the last uh, three or four seasons, but you know, for a team that's desperate to upgrade, like say a Cincinnati or a Pittsburgh, it would make sense to take that risk and maybe draft a guy who could like replace him perhaps uh, in the near future like Brandon Schreff is a you know Pro Bowl level guard he's been tagged twice by Washington um, but there are some rumors apparently that he might be uh, on the downslope quite quickly that things are deteriorating for him so you know, a bit of buyer beware there. And James Daniel, Alex Kappa, Joe Nopum, these are kind of younger offensive linemen, but who have shown um, decent potential that they could be Pro Bowl uh, level players. They haven't quite got there. Well, Kappa's been pretty good for Tampa Bay guys that, you know, at least will be an improvement probably over like replacement level starters that guys like Cincinnati and Carolina have right now. And so, you know, I think you know, there's decent options out here, I think both here and in the draft. So I think it's a great year to kind of upgrade there. And like, if you want to go, uh, other veteran options, I think Dwayne Brown would make sense. Trent Brown, um, outside New England, hasn't been great, but you know, obviously he's a big body. And Connor Williams, Ryan Jensen, uh, Bradley Bozen, Ben Jones, these are all guys who I think could improve a lot of offensive lines around the league. So, hey, Cincinnati, go out and get them. That's basically yeah. all I have to say about that. <laughs> Armstead apparently is these, actually the ESPN ranked him as the number one free agent in the entire market in any position. So there's obviously a lot of a lot of love up there for him. He'll probably get paid. Streff is 
I think there are vague rumors Shrep might the Bengals might look at Shrep, which is interesting if you say he's on a downslope because that could be um, could be yeah, a bad pick. You don't you don't want to you know, spend a lot of money and then have Joe Burrow get killed to, to, anyway. To, to be fair, even if he's on the downslope in Cincinnati, he'll probably still be twice the the player that the Isaiah <laughs> Prince is. Like whatever. Yeah, yeah, true, true, true. That's true. Yeah. We flip over to the defensive side. Edge. A lot of teams looking for edge pretty much all the time. Minnesota, Jets, Giants, Denver, Baltimore, and Philly in particular. Well, one of these is going to get sorted. Top of the list here is probably outside linebacker Von Miller after his trade. Uh, he's pretty much all but confirmed online that he's going back to Denver. I'm sad about I, that. I thought he was going back and forth saying he got basically the Broncos or the Rams. He was, uh, did, he do, did he do two Instagram posts or something where he, he talked about He did, but then he started, he started kind of posting a lot of stuff of like, do you think they'll give me my old locker back and all this kind of stuff? That's a really good situation for him if he, you know, he's obviously going back with Russell Wilson now, quarterback, so they should be a lot better than last year. But he took basically, what, like half a season off to get a ring and now he gets to go back to his <laughs> yeah. team. It's and the gone. team got a second and a third for like an eight-game rental. Like, oh yeah, that also makes sense. Fucking <laughs> hilarious! Like, hey, but, look, they got the ring, so they got. Completely. Oh no, they yeah, did, they did, but like, you. yeah, but, you know, he he was like, okay, I'll take I'll take the back half like, of the season off to go get a ring, and then you use whatever you get from me in the trade to go get us Russell Wilson. And to be fair, like Von Miller before the playoffs wasn't like he was still solid and he was decent at Denver, but like what he did in the playoffs is why he's our number one ranked edge rusher um, yeah. in the free agency because the rest of these guys are all grand but Von Miller showed that he can still be a all pro yeah so let's go through a few of these Chandler Jones Hassan Reddick Jadavian Clowney Emmanuel Ogba Randy Gregory Melvin Ingram Charles Harris and Inmosu right, so Ingram I'm hoping the Chiefs can get him re-signed on a relatively cheap deal because he wasn't really up to a huge amount beforehand and got a big boost there. The problem is basically, will someone kind of go, right, well, we can just plug him in as a more... Give give him two-thirds of the rotation and he can play because then they'll probably pay more for him. Ogba, I think someone's going to get good value in him because he, a little bit underneath the, under the radar, but played well when he was, I think, with the Chiefs before and played well with the Dolphins, I think, more recently. And yeah, like, Cloudy is a constant kind of... He's always going to get a... He's always going to get a contract, but it's always going to be like a one-year, eight million with a couple of incentives thrown in that he will never reach the incentives because he's never lived up to his draft class. I mean, for me personally, just looking at this, the big one, the big name here is Chandler Jones. Uh, I'd love the Pats kind of picked him up again. He'd be a great addition to what is a well-developing uh, defensive situation. I mean, the Pats are going to be quite quiet otherwise, so it'd be interesting to see if they do get moved. But obviously, yeah, Clowney's like, again, he's like the big name. He's like, everyone knows who he is and he's going to sell shirts and stuff. But has he ever actually had a season where we went, yeah, he's as good as everyone says he is because uh, I haven't seen it if you guys have. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, if Von Miller's off the table, then this gets, this mark, this market gets a little bit weaker and really only Chandler Jones really stands out for me in terms of the rest of the names here. The, the big names like Chandler Jones, David Clowney, and Melvin Ingram, I think these guys would be best suited to go into a team that already has a good defensive line that these guys can be rotated in and years. And I think they have, they're situationally strong in certain cases, but they're not every dang guys. Whereas I think noted players like Hassan Reddick and Emmanuel Ogba and uh, Charles Harris and Nuosu, I think these are guys that you know you can put into your rotation as you know every down defensive ends who do the job well, who are solid, who pick up decent sack numbers, like you know maybe ten or so, um, but aren't going to like blow people away. And everyone talks about them like guys like Von Miller, but you know I think Emmanuel Ogba is just a great solid player if you want to you know uh, improve your depth. And I think that's the thing for me. Uh, good teams have good defensive line depth. And those guys can really contribute to that, even if they're not as sexy as, say, a Von Miller or Chandler Jones or Jadavion Clowney type player. I'd also add in, I'd imagine just from 
but I know myself. I, I imagine there's a good chance that Frank Clark joins this group. There's an out in his contract that means that they can get out from the rest of it with like 12 million dead cap. So I think uh, he'll probably be joining this group whenever they start to announce those elements. I'd say they're kind of running through trade partners at the moment, but not expecting to get much because he's not really lived up to the contract he got. No, a couple, couple of nice options, but a little bit more kind of skewing older, skewing reclamation. Interior defensive linemen, Chargers, Dallas, Cleveland, Tampa Bay, Jacksonville, Detroit. Top of the class here is Calais Campbell. Then we've got Akeem Hicks, DJ Jones, Sebastian Day Jones, Harrison Phillips, Sheldon Richardson, Justin Jones, Malik Collins, Sue, Brandon Williams. That's a lot of old dudes in here, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, like this is not a sexy position. I think Clayus Campbell, obviously, he's quitting way up there in years, but he just continues to be a unique dude. Like, he obviously, you just look at him and he just looks different from most players in the NFL. That combination of size and height and, and obviously his speed. So, he's a guy that if you're in win now mode, uh, like the Ravens have been in recent years, uh, why wouldn't you get him out there, add him to your rotation and let him go? Uh, the rest of these guys, like, there's not too much potential. Like Guys like DJ, DJ Jones at least have a bit more uh, tread on the tyre or, or Sebastian Day Jones, but Akeem Hicks and, and Sheldon Richardson, these are guys who are probably past the best or, or Sue. Uh, but obviously, if they're put in the right situation, it makes sense. I think, like, for me, the number one team that needs to sort this out is the Chargers because they just need fat guys who can stop the run because if they go out there next year <laughs> and they can't stop the run, they're going to have another very similar year. Whoever the fattest of these guys is, I think the Chargers should pick. Or Clayus Campbell would be great for them because he's obviously a guy who can play anywhere like on the defensive end or defensive tackle, depending on the down. Imagine um, Sue but, is pretty yeah. big now at this point, right? Yeah, he's pretty solid against the run. I, just the Chargers definitely need this. And look, Dallas and Cleveland and Tampa Bay and Jacksonville, whoever, could definitely do it. But yeah, the Chargers, they were a team that had one glaring weakness. And they, given the schematic needs of, of that team, they, they, they're obviously not going to get Aaron Donald walking in the door. So they need to get some guys who are just fat as fuck and can fill the gaps. Yeah. There are a lot of cap space as well, I think. So they actually yeah. could... They could bring out the big contract if they need to, yeah. Mm. Covered linebackers slash box defensive backs. Yeah, Philly, New York, New England, Tennessee, Rams, Denver, all these guys are looking for them. Yeah, so we've got top of the class, obviously, just off the release there is Bobby Wagner and close second, or, you know, depends on what your team's looking for. Tyrion Matthew is testing free agency as well. Both playing very high level both getting a little bit older though so you're not you be a little bit wary about giving the longer term deal to them outside of those top two then we've also got anthony barr josie jewel devondre campbell leighton vanderesh kazir white jalen curse and alexander johnson now this does skew a good deal more linebacker than safety but like you know there's there's plenty of options there like i said there's there's big potential with those top two there's just that little bit of risk obviously i mean there's a lot of time i would imagine is matthew i mean i think he might go back to the chiefs is there any possibility there there is yeah but i think the problem is whether or not he's going to be looking for a top end top top end contract because he is a little bit like he's a half a step slower than he would have been two years ago two years ago i would have said yep just give him the top end contract but if he can go and get that he should go and get that because it's also it's very rare safeties get i think three bites at the contract and he's getting one now so i think they would like to have him back he fits well into the scheme but if he comes in at the top end of the scale no i mean it's also i mean it's kind of similar maybe to bobby wagner who you imagine i mean i know he's only he's early 30s but he has been around a long time and if the Seahawks are letting him go, it kind of suggests that they maybe don't think he's got a long-term future. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. And the other thing I mean to note here is this: this the Pats are dumping a load of veteran linebackers as well, uh, Van Noy and Hightower, Jamie Collins. So they could be in this market looking for young guys to, to kind of slot in in their uh, replacement. 
Leighton Van Der Esch is a name I, I I like watching him. He's very boom bust. I mean, I think he's got a he's got to prove it. Um, I, he's definitely had his moments, and Troy Aikman seems to love him. It's going to be interesting to see if he can he can live up to his potential. Yeah, I don't. Other than Matthew, and it depends on where Wagner is in terms of his decline. Again, it's not a market. It's not a market. I'm going. These are instant hits. But if someone gets Terry and Matthew, I mean, he's he's a game changer, definitely. I think with the exception of Leighton Van Der Esch, who is still young enough that maybe he could reclaim that uh, Pro Bowl form that he had early in his career. I think most of these are guys you you know, you're, you know what you're buying to a certain extent. Like Bobby Wagner, I think is still a great inside linebacker. I just think you know, given the rebuild Seattle is obviously doing and his contract demands, that just wasn't going to work out. So he's going to go out there and he's going to have a very healthy market. And I think there's already reports that he'll be uh, basically able to pick his team. I think there's like ten teams basically already lining up to buy him. So he should get the contract that he deserves. Uh, but Seattle obviously aren't in that space. Tyron Matthew, like look, I think he's lost a step certainly, but he's such an intelligent player. He's obviously a player who's very passionate about the game of football, and you can't. I don't think you can you can undervalue what that means. Like having a guy like that in your locker room means, especially if you're a, a defense that has a lot of younger guys uh, going there. But like guys like Devondre Campbell were very very good for Green Bay last year. Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson were pretty solid uh, for Denver. So like I think linebacker is always one of those positions that you can always find a guy similar to kind of like a run stuffer on the defensive line. And there's some pretty solid options out here. But Bobby Wagner, Tyron Matthew, these are guys who they're so they they're so good at understanding the game of football as well as being you know great on the physical sense. And I think that's the difference between the guys who uh, are solid can fill the gaps and the guys who can make a big difference Anthony Barr maybe should be up there but he's getting on in years and he, I don't think he quite has that in him anymore coverage defensive back so you need a bit of, bit of taking on the wide receivers one on one Jets San Francisco Arizona New England Cincinnati Minnesota and pretty much again almost everyone would want a top end player this top on the market here JC Jackson a cornerback Marcus Williams at safety followed by Carlton Davis Stefan Gilmore Quandre Diggs DJ Reader Justin Reacher Various Ward and Marcus May I'd hope Ward to be Coming back to the Chiefs, we've yet to hear any announcement on that yet. It's a decent group. Like, I'm not sure outside the top. It's if you're going to get the like how how they'll pair up against a proper number one, number one on their own. But like, you know, it's it. There's options here. Yeah, uh, JC Jackson's going to be a big loss for the Pats. I'd love if they keep him, but I think he's going to get a super big contract. I think he's yeah, going to get no, paid properly. Pats might be in for replacement. I, I like Carlton Davis. He's the Bucks. He's young, up and coming. He's good. Quarterbacks don't last that long, so you, you probably want to sign young ones rather than veterans. Gilmore, for example, I don't know how much interest is going to be in him, given that he's maybe a year or two past his peak at this point. And for cornerbacks, once you're past the peak, it's kind of over because it's such an athletic position. But yeah, whoever, JC Jackson's going to be the one to watch because he's going to he's going to instantly improve any team that he gets into. Marcus Williams, yeah, he's pretty good. I like him as well. But JC Jackson is, for me, it's... I, I yeah. If if I wake up and the Pats have resigned him, I'm going to be a very happy guy. But otherwise, I'm going to be sad because he's he's a big talent. Yeah, I think Sean hit the the nail on the head there. Like with cornerbacks, it's such a physically challenging position. You obviously need to be fast. You need to be nimble. You need to be able to move uh, like turn around fast. And that's why guys like J.C. Jackson, D.J. Reed, Chavarius Ward. Carlton Davis, these guys who are in their mid-twenties who are, who are moving into their prime, these are the guys that you want to sign and give those big contracts to. Like, Stefan Gilmore, obviously, given that he was Defensive Player of the Year only a couple of years ago, he could fill in a gap for you, and there's plenty of other kind of veterans if you don't end up getting the guys that you want. Guys like uh, Kyle Fuller, Bryce Callahan, Quan Williams, Casey Hayward. Um, so there are options there if you need to fill in those gaps like cornerback, but, you know, if you're going to throw the big money at them, you probably want to get a guy that you're going to, like, contribute over multiple years, and you're not just going to be back in as well a 
couple of seasons from now. And look, obviously, safety is a, is a position that's kind of been squeezed a, a bit in, in fact. But like these guys are important, and especially in, in certain schemes, they can make a difference. But I think with the two high shells, they're going to be more important. Perhaps they've lost a little luster. But Marcus Williams has been a, a great part of that New Orleans defense, which has overperformed over the last uh, five years ago. Quandra Diggs is coming off a Pro Bowl season, although he has an injury, which kind of may depress his value a little bit. And uh, Marcus May and Justin Reed, maybe they're not, they hadn't have their best years recently, but have had Pro Bowl level seasons earlier in their careers. Marcus May was tagged, for example, last year based on his 2019 form. So uh, there's pretty good options, I think, here if you're looking for a safety and uh, for a cornerback. But yeah, those young guys who you can rely on for years to come, I think those are guys you need just because of the, the nature of the position is just not very age friendly. There's also one more name we actually haven't mentioned, who's probably the be- the biggest name in the free agency market is Eli Apple, is, is coming on the market. <laughs> so if you want someone to fuck up your Super Bowl, then he's the man for you. Well, I was going to hey, say, because uh, you can could, you could put together an absolute superstar, because. Uh, Dirty Dan Sorensen, I think, is also uh, is also freebie this one. Then just finally, special teams, because everyone needs special teams. Koo. Yes, Youngway Koo, the, the onside kick master. But aren't they abolishing the onside kick now? Not, not yet. Not, not while Koo still lives. Basically, don't give him a long-term deal. <laughs> yeah, but he, you know, he was a Pro Bowl kicker only a couple of seasons ago when Atlanta went to the red zone every you know, 10 seconds to get a, like, a kick. And he was very, very uh, good. And he has that special skill. I think he's a guy who, you know, given that he had such a tough start to his career um, with the Chargers, which you know, the Chargers, not his fault. I think fair play to him. And I think he should get a decent contract. Most likely he might end up going back to Atlanta, depending where they feel they are. Nick Folk is the other kicker who's been solid last year. He was just automatic for New England. Uh, but that feels like, why wouldn't he just go back to New England? Number of punter options as well, like Brian Anger, uh, Corey Bultercris, uh, and more stead if you're out there for a punter but uh, none, nah. of those guys, none of these guys uh, are Pro Bowl level at the moment no so that'll kind of wrap up preview so that's a that's a fair whack in so any plans for the rest of the week obviously you've got uh, you've got the, the, the family birthday on the weekend yeah so that'll uh, keep me in Cavan until uh, the weekend and uh after that, back to Cork, and uh, yeah, the Super Patrick's Day weekend spectacular, mm. uh, which you are starting early, Connor, of course, as you mentioned earlier, so uh, we'll see what I end up doing with that, and uh, the rugby is also back for the next two weekends at the end of Six Nations, see if Ireland can sneak the championship if France managed to uh, France themselves up in the last two weeks. Uh, what about yourself, Sean? Any crack? Um, yeah, Paddy's Day mostly next week, and my dad's birthday is not this weekend, but next weekend, so I'll probably be going up to it alone for most of the Paddy's Day spectacular first parades in three years and yeah pubs and everything it's going to be messy <laughs> oh god it will <laughs> yeah. messy Paddy's day yeah. maybe up for last time yeah. no, we'll, we'll hopefully have our doggy at that point uh, for the week so I'd say we won't be quite as quite as mad at it as uh, we would otherwise but uh, no got uh, got Wrestle or Scrapper Mania the OTT big event of the year is on on Saturday so myself and a group of friends are heading down to that and then um, it's my birthday on Monday it's uh, my wife's birthday on the following Friday so we're just going to have a bit of fun get doggy chill out should be should be nice for, 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 for the upcoming kind of chill out week as well um, I was looking at some old games I used to play and I found that they'd done a remastered version on Steam so Chrono Trigger I don't know if you, either of you ever played it in your uh, I've heard about it yeah uh, it's, a, it's a cracking little game but it's uh, it's 50% off on Steam at the moment so I got it for 7 euros so if you're, look, if you're looking for one to kind of go back and the old kind of SNES style RPG ones but great storytelling it's uh, yeah give it a look I think everyone's just playing Elden Ring right now. So, uh, they are, but to be honest, like the, the most up-to-date machine I own is an Xbox 360, so I'm not playing Elden Ring. I'm playing fucking Red Ring of Death is what I'm playing. 
I, I am I am contemplating down the line getting either a, a laptop or a or a console. I was very tempted to get the to get the Nintendo one because the combination of the new Pokemon game, the Zelda stuff, and then like there's a load of just kind of fun. Like I played I played the Mario Kart on it and stuff, and it's great. But it is that kind of thing of I'm always worried about the Nintendo ones that they'll end up like a Wii that you kind of get great use for a month or two, and then it just sits there and you don't really use it. Ah, like the Switch, I think has proven that it's it's beyond that point. I think the Switch is a it's a, it's a good game console first, and uh, you know a kind of toy type thing second. But they kind of been able to take it out and play it on the toilet, or whatever like that. But, but no, that's great. So I suppose that wraps up for now. And uh, like I said, we'll come back with our coverage of the big news of free agency and starting to make draft. But for now, I suppose it's bye from myself, bye from home, bye from John. This is all for Boris. Thanks for listening. I'll chat to you in three four weeks.